0: Tuning in to the mid season Gator panel. I'm Silk and I'm the host of the Big Three Roll Up in Stadium Miguel. I'm co hosting this with Gator Dave from the Gator Breakdown podcast and alongside a, a, a group of writers and reporters Nick Delatorre from the Gator Country, Dan Thompson from Stadium Miguel podcast in Gator Country, and Zach Appleberry from Lockdown Gators podcast. Fellas, how's it going? Doing
1: good, good. doing good. Doing
0: well, doing good. Hanging out Coming at seventy one, yeah, man. Dave better, got a, Dave gonna shoot off a series of questions.
2: Better than things are going in Coral Gables and uh, Tallahassee right
0: now. Oh, absolutely, man. It's the flagship doing flagship things, man. It's feeling nostalgic around here. Dave gonna kick it off with uh, a series of questions, and I'm gonna follow up with some as well, man. We're just gonna kick it and hang out, man.
1: Yeah, uh, David Waters from Gators Breakdown. Yeah, not you know probably won't kick it off too much with a question, but guys, you know, last time we got together in the preseason. We got together right after Florida was coming off this, you know, tumultuous offseason, offseason headlines going around like crazy. I think we were all kind of tired of talking about that, ready to get to the season. And look, now we are here. Here we are. Seven one Gator sitting at seven one. And look, it's just it's a different looking seven and one. I think we could really imagine you had Felipe Franks go down. Kadarius Tony, one of your top playmakers going down. You defense hasn't been at full strength pretty much all season. Uh, besides that Miami game when they get ten sacks, but Zaneegan Grenard uh, not in the lineup as the season goes on. CJ Henderson misses a few games. I mean, Gators sit at seven and one. I think we uh, a lot of us saw the seven and one start, but my I mean, guys, I don't think we. If you would have told us all these things had happened, I'm not sure we would have said sit here and said the Gators were seven and one or not necessarily being looked at in a positive light like they are a seven and one.
0: Yeah, I agree. We've had, uh, if you would have told me, Felipe Franks was going to be out for the season. Um, CJ Henderson missed half the season. Jabari Zuniga missed half the season. And, and-, and Grenard is going to miss some games. If you would have told me that, I w- there's no way I would have had us at 6-1. and one, But I mean, 7-1. and one. But nonetheless, here we are, man. Uh, making things happen. Yeah, you know, is I it- think we talked. Oh, sorry, go ahead,
3: Dan. I was going to say, I think we talked a little bit about
4: last year or the last time we did this podcast is, you know, Florida, I think learned how to win last year. Um, You know, they built some confidence around themselves and, you know, you got to, you got to give a lot of credit to Dan Mullen and his staff for, for not only getting the ones prepared, but the twos prepared and the, the opportunity for that next man to stand up uh, into that, to that rotation. You know, we, we've, we've seen a lot of rotation amongst, you know, the ones and twos and, and we've seen a team that, you know, has been able to to push each other or cheer each other on when, you know, no matter who's scoring or who's getting the interception. So it looks like a team that's finally playing like a team rather than a bunch of individual pieces like we've seen in the past.
3: Um, I, I wanted to just get y'all's opinion on it. Um, I mean, there was a lot of people were kind of talking down on Florida or not taking Florida seriously before the LSU game. And you can say, sure, they played two FCS teams, maybe three or four if you include Miami and Tennessee into that mix. Um <laughs> So they weren't getting the credit and they almost didn't get credit until they lost a game and until the defense who had been great all year gives up, you know, half a thousand yards in, in a football game. I just wanted to know or, or see what your guys' opinion was of why was that? You know, why did they go 6-0 and and get no credit until you lose a game? And now they're kind of, you know, playoff dark horse and, and the national media at least is, is kind of, you know, uh, loving on the Gators.
0: Well, I think it's... Go
1: ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I can think part of it is, I mean, everybody looks at quarterback plays. So everybody fell in love with LSU because of what Joe Burrow was doing and, and leading that high-flying offense, and I mean, everybody's going to point to the quarterback, and Kyle Trask has done nothing but come in and, and, and light the world on fire since taking over for Felipe Franks. And uh, yeah, I think that storyline, everybody was kind of wait-and-see mode on Kyle Trask. And yes, he was making his first start. Yes, he led a comeback versus Kentucky, but how would he travel to De- Death Valley, Baton Rouge, and, and and perform in that situation? And, you know, Florida hung tooth and, tooth and nail. So I think first and foremost, I think it's people looking at the quarterback position and, and, and putting two and two together and say, okay, Florida's got a quarterback. We know they're pretty good. And everywhere else, maybe offensive lines the next biggest question on on, on offense. Uh, you know, team that with a yeah defense has kind of fallen by the the last two games. But in that LSU game, you know, the worst game of the season for them, and, and then bouncing back and and, and playing you know, pretty well against South Carolina. But I think it all just goes back to, to quarterback play and how the national media really looks at that position and, and kind of makes a uh, an, an opinion on the team. And since Kyle Trask has come out and played well, I think I think that has a lot to do with it.
2: Well, I, I think you're
0: right. It, I think I think it's somewhat right. Because I thought Kyle played good the Auburn game, and they were still getting a lot of disrespect even after that yeah. game. I just think that people didn't believe in that – that because we've had these flashes of one year we went 10 games, and the next year we kind of to off a little bit. So I guess people just kind of just doubting us in the way we was winning. I think we, I thought we got neater. I think in, in the beginning of the season we were sloppy. Um, we have like these first half we played totally sloppy games – and I think now teams are trying to see what second-half team. The first half may be sloppy, but at the end of the day, we're a good football team that kind of get, get his shit together in the fourth quarter. Sorry for my language. I just think we just look like a better football team. And, yeah. it, and like, the country's starting to recognize it, man. But it did take a loss, a shootout loss to LSU for teams good, to start man. respecting us. Uh, sure.
2: I, 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 think, I think that's it right there. So uh, seeing is believing, you know. People have seen what Florida has accomplished. They, they had two trips to Atlanta pretty recently. But nobody in the national media, at least, looked at Florida any of these years in the last decade as a legitimate SEC, potentially title contender uh, nationally until that trip to Death Valley. Because you go into that game and you everyone knows how good the Tigers were going into that matchup. And then to see them jump on Florida the way that they did. And Florida to go toe-to-toe with them and take the lead in the second half and have a quarterback making his first road start throw for 300 yards at night in Death Valley. I mean, Florida quarterbacks, we all know, don't do that. So I think a lot of people came away from that game, the David Pollocks of the world and some of the other national folks that have been giving the Gators love saying, man, if Florida gets matched up in a neutral site game in Atlanta against LSU or against Alabama – now they can actually compete. And I don't think people were saying that about Florida uh, under Jim McEwen. They certainly weren't saying that under Will Muschamp.
4: Yeah, and no, I would say that, you know, the, the one thing, and I agree with a lot of what you guys have said, I think the one thing is the first, you know, six games of the year, whether it was schedule, whether it was, you know, Miami wasn't very good, Tennessee's rebuilding for the 10th mm-hmm. year in a row, whatever it is, you know, for the first time, there was, you know, Auburn has a freshman quarterback. You know, they stopped looking at excuses to why the Gators were winning. And then they actually looked at the product on the field and, you know, while Florida did lose by two touchdowns, they threw an interception, you know, on the what two yard line, um, into the end zone. And, Um, you know, then that play, then, you know, a couple of plays later turns into a touchdown. So, you know, Florida, you know, at the end of the day, played that game really strong. I think a lot of teams saw what Florida could be, uh, you know, and I think what, what another thing is, is they're finding ways to win. You know, last year we talked about, you know, Florida found a bunch of ways to win ball games and this year they're finding ways to win. And I think people are starting to to think, Hey, maybe it's not just a fluke. Maybe Florida actually has a pretty good football team.
1: talk about ways to win guys. I mean, I think we come into this season thinking this run game and this offensive line would be maybe a little further along than where it started. It's starting to find its legs a little bit the last couple of weeks and, uh, and in October. But, you know, yeah, you had the injury at, at quarterback and you would have thought, you know, if you're 7-1 and one and the change at quarterback, you probably would have thought the run game would have been further along by now.
4: Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Florida over the last few games starting to figure it out, you know, the one thing that we talked about you know, on this podcast and and Dave and Soak, you know, we've talked about on ours and and Nick and and Zach, you talked about yours as well. It's like, you know, Florida's replacing a lot. And even though Florida wasn't replacing, you know, replacing them with young guys, they were, they were inexperienced and they were inexperienced in playing with each other. And it takes time, but they've definitely been able to do better against Auburn, against LSU. and, And then against South Carolina, where they're, They finally look like they're coming into their own a little bit. Uh, You know, Florida's getting a little tricky with the way that they're running some of these runs. And, you know, Mm -hmm. ultimately I think they're starting to learn and grow. Um, You know, as much as we want to talk about how, you know, we would love to have Florida a great offensive line every year when you graduate, you know, your, your top four starters um, it's going to take a little bit of time. And I think that they've done well progressing. And I'll give John Hevesy, you know, all the credit in the world for putting some guys uh, out there that, you know, have really started to get better. And if we can make a change, maybe on that right side of the ball, uh, maybe at the the tackle position, you know, I think Florida's might even be able to go a little stronger there.
0: Uh, Do you think quick question? Let me just throw like a little devil's advocate. Do you think um, Dan Mullen's philosophy with the run games changing? I think it looks like like traditionally Dan Mullen has been a a run to open up the pass guy. Uh, Just watching the South Carolina game. It looked like we passed open up the run. What do you guys feel about that?
3: Yeah, I think that's probably the make of any good coach. You, you've got your system, and this is the way he's done things for, you know, 15 years, 20 years. Um, but, hey, we're not going to just, you know, keep beating our head against the wall and, and make it work. Make it work. If, it, if it's not working and, and you can't run the ball successfully, but, hey, we're throwing the ball really well, let's flip-flop it. And if we can, you know, find ways to make, you know – Use the passing game as an extension of our running game. Swing passes to Michael. You know, uh, quick, quick stuff like that, and maybe that'll spread the defenses out and give us some running lanes. So I think that's what you're seeing. The thing I've seen two years now is the coaching staff uses, I guess, just learns about the team, and as the season progresses, they continue finding ways. Okay, we'll take this out. We'll add this. We don't do that well. We're not going to keep trying to do it. We do this well. And how can we build off that? So I think you saw that last year um, with just the learning and the growth of you know Felipe Franks and, and his knowledge and how he ran the offense. And I think you're seeing that now, like what you just said, Silk, with using the passing game first. And that's not typically what a Dan Mullen offense has been.
1: There, there's a coach roaming the uh, the hallways there with a visor that can uh, speak to that to that strategy. That I'm sure uh, speaks his mind on that one. Hey Dan,
3: another, dude,
2: you on that play I drew up yet? <laughs> Dave, I, I, think, I thought you had the. I thought you had the observation of the week uh, on Twitter when you listed Lamichael P. Ryan's stats from October and September. No. I mean, those those were eye opening numbers. And
1: I got see, jumped on because people don't want to count that eighty eight yard run. <laughs> why,
2: you can't you can't take that away from Lamichael Piron when he <laughs> broke two tackles on that play. That wasn't like. The, you know, the Red Sea parted, and he just had this wide open. I mean, he broke two tackles on the play. So you can't take that away from him. But Broke the first of the line of scrimmage, too. We, you know, well, what those numbers say to me is his his production has improved against Florida's best competition. Mm-hmm. Nobody is talking about the fact that the Gators have faced three teams that ranked top 15 in rushing defense. Auburn, LSU, and Miami. The Gators rushed for 50 yards in the season opener against the Hurricanes. Miami's got a really good run defense. They're number 15 nationally. And guess what? On next Saturday, the Gators are going up against the number five rush defense in the country in Georgia. So some of their struggles that they've had, I think, are also due to the the competition that they're facing. But with that being said, against Auburn and then against South Carolina, they've had a lot of success in the last couple weeks.
4: Yeah, and I think one of the other things that you're you're seeing also is, is Kyle Trask, you know, getting starting to get a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, he's super comfortable in the offense throwing the ball, but you're starting to see him getting a little bit more, you know, confidence in, in potentially running the ball as well. So, you know, the more Kyle Trask plays, the more comfortable he gets. You know, you add Kadarius Tony, who's coming back. You add Jacob Copeland, who's doing a lot better. You know, who's right, starting to get a, you know quite a few more touches, and then you know, ultimately a wide receiver core that has eight players that have you know, 10 catches or more this season. The more you can continue to add, the better this offense is going to be, and the more you keep the defenses guessing, and the better Florida's going to do in the run game or the passing game or whatever it might be.
1: I don't want to steal all the Thunder Silk or anybody else. Uh, I want to hit on the next topic.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we could – um I want to jump in. and talk about uh, Kyle Trask a little bit. What's his ceiling to you guys? Uh, do mm. you see – as far as him getting better, I mean, we, we know um, the production, he's we, we, we're getting out of him. That's what Dan Mullen does. But what's his ceiling? What's his pro pot- potential like? How you guys see this shaking out?
1: I, I I still think the best is, is yet to come for him. And look, I, I, I'll admit it. I know I, I've had to admit it many times. I wasn't on the trash train at all. <laughs> but before this, uh, I thought, you know, it it's there a was not. Right. I, I,
2: no, I yeah. started it. I started it. Let's, let's get that out there. Still That's facts. That's, facts. That's up? facts. That's yep. facts. I know, That's Nick
1: facts. Was, I know Nick was behind it as well. Uh, dating back to last year, some some of the panel episodes. but uh, Thank you,
3: Sam. Back <laughs> at it again.
1: <laughs> but look, guys i mean full bore. I had look. I, there was no way I, I, I saw this coming, or even close to this. I just didn't think. I didn't think it was there, uh, uh, honestly. So uh, look, I, I'm. As the, the fan in me absolutely loves it, I, I'll give credit where credit is due. He has come in and, and shown more than I ever thought he could. Look, I, I still think the best is yet to come. I think this running game that we just talked about is going to improve as well. That's going to help him out. You're going to get Kadarius Tony back. Uh, the Georgia game that can you know unleash another playmaker that will help him out. And he's only going to get better with experience. He just does. He still doesn't have a lot of it. Uh, and game by game, he's going to get better. He's going to get better and better. And go back to the we've talked about it just a, a second ago the biggest test so far he went and played very well in in baton rouge death valley against lsu so look yeah i, I think the more experience and some of the getting your best playmaker back i think the run game gets better uh, as well the defense can put him in some situations and i, I just think plain and simple dan mullen is going to make him better there's going to be a lot more working with dan mullen uh, another offseason season of that and we'll we'll Get to it when it comes to when it comes to it. We don't know what the quarterback situation looks like next year, but you'd have to think he's at the top of it right now, and he's gonna get another off season to maybe prepare as a starter. Something he hasn't really had to do or, or gotten the chance to do yet. So uh, I just think a lot of things are adding up to where I still don't think we've seen the best Kyle Trask can uh, can put out there. I think
3: far, that's, far from it. Oh, go ahead. I, I think far from it. You're talking about a kid who, I mean. Credit to him. Uh, I mean, I I don't think I would have, especially at that age, had the maturity to continue going to practice at the same school. And and I mean, he had his chances. Honestly, if if he doesn't break his foot, he probably starts that South Carolina game. Um, Last year, was it South Carolina? No, yeah, it was after the Missouri loss. He probably starts that week against South Carolina, um, gets injured, and and doesn't get the opportunity. So he's had chances to win the starting job or chances to play. There's just been a series of unfortunate events that have kept him out of it. Um, but there's, there's things like the pocket presence and, and fans are getting on about fumbles and he's holding on to the ball too long. That's stuff that you can't really learn and develop and practice. So, you know, it, it's not live reps. You're not getting hit. You don't have to worry about it. No one's going to touch you. Um, and then you get into the game and, and you've got some bad habits and you need to feel that thing out. So I think we're just starting to, you know, really see what he will develop into. And we're really far from, you know, a, a finished product of Kyle Trask.
4: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, as somebody that I just looked to my tweets since April 8th, 2016, I've been a big fan of Kyle Trask. Um, as, as somebody that's been a, a big supporter of him for years, um, I'll say that I feel like we're not, we're not close to his ceiling, but I feel like his ceiling um, isn't quite NFL potential. I think that he's a good quarterback. Um, I think that he's going to do really well um, under Dan Mullen. I have him starting next year um, as well with Emory Jones working in as well. Uh, but I don't I don't know about his pro prospects. You know, he would really have to work on his arm strength. Uh, I think he'll work on his pocket presence. You know, his 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 throwing motion, his ability to do progressions. They seem fine, but but I don't know what his uh, his pro potential is. Um, but I think he's going to be a good serviceable quarterback for the Gators, and I think he put Florida in a better position to win some of these games. than I think Felipe Franks might have. Um, I'm not sure. I see Felipe Franks leaving that team back to win. Um, you know, just with uh, maybe trying to do a little too much. What I like about Kyle is that he doesn't seem to want to do too much. He wants to seem to, to follow the game plan that's put in front of him. So um, I like him a lot. I think that he's the starter for the rest of this year, obviously. I think he's the starter next year. I'm um, certainly wishing the best of luck, uh, you know, after that. But he might make a roster for a little bit, but but I'm not sure he's an NFL quarterback.
2: He's an NFL quarterback, in my opinion. I, I, I think by the time his career is over, uh, there's definitely going to be teams that are going to give him that shot. I mean, who knows where he'll get drafted, but just from what he's, done in the, in the little bit of the opportunity that he's got with the limited experience that he has um, and where he could be at the end of his career, uh, I'm excited to watch. The one thing that I, I took away from how well he came out and played his first few starts was even though this is a guy that didn't get the opportunity to, to play in college and he had the red jersey on in practice, to me, clearly, he got better and improved his game year after year by going up against Florida's defense in practice every spring and every fall. I mean, that made him – he got more growth from that than he did as a backup at Manville High School, certainly. Uh, and, and I just think that Dan Mullen has taken him way farther in terms of his development than he would have ever gotten under Nussmeyer. Yeah. I mean, credit to those guys and Randy Shannon for finding him, for figuring out that he had you know the, the ability to play at the next level. But still, I mean, he – had he gotten to the game and got an opportunity, let's say in 2017, to start uh, during one of those games before he broke his foot before the Michigan game, I mean, who knows how his development and career would have played out had it been Nussmeier and and McIlwain as the ones grooming and developing him. You know, Dan Mullen kind of got to get his hands on him when he was fresh, and we all saw how much Felipe Franks got messed up, I, I think, in that 2017 season. So for Trash to get that clean slate, I think it kind of benefited him and and mullen and brian johnson man they just as uh i don't know i think it was nick that said it they just do such a good job of once they get into a season at every single position with all their players figuring out what they do well what they don't do well and making sure that they don't call those plays because it seems like everything that kyle does during the course of the game he's comfortable in doing and that's that's reflective of the play calling he's yeah randy special
1: (laughs) Zach, and the, the back that last part up, you said whatever he's given. Look, he's given. It looks like he's given the whole playbook. There's no limitations of, of the play calling has it changed, or you know maybe sure. because of of running style between him and Felipe Franks. But as far I, I, as
2: I'm just, am saying. Well, he's the, the deep not, ball he, has. He's not being. Yeah, the deep ball he's definitely has changed. Like, There's a lot of
0: deep throws that have been taken away.
2: But like Felipe Franks, for instance, his that that year that he had starting for Jim McElwain and Doug Nussmeier. There were so many games where you, you saw that guy dropping back to pass. Mm-hmm. He was being asked to do things as a redshirt freshman quarterback that he simply could not do, that were not his strengths. And the coaches kept putting him out there game after game and asking him to do that. And that's, that's not a sign of good coaching. And I, I mean, that's what I'm speaking to more. Just they've set Trask up for success to where even though he's limited in experience and hasn't had those live bullets, they've made the game easy for him. Uh, and he's catching on really fast. I meant more.
1: Yeah, I meant more than um, I mean,
2: people are familiar with his recruiting story, too. Um, I just, uh, I, I love it, man. I, I just, you just, especially in this day and age, um, you just don't see kids that are willing to put in the work that he put in to get an offer. So many kids now, they're not going to come to camp to get an offer. Like, if they feel like they're good enough to play at Florida or any other school, there's so many kids that make an issue about coming to camp and that dude showed up at Friday night lights that year by himself, no parents. He jumped on a plane and came and flew. And I still remember the night in the swamp, Jake Allen was out there a couple other quarterbacks from that 2017 class that were four stars and top 100 kids. And my guy that I was out there with came over to me and said that player, whatever number Trask was wearing that night, that's the best quarterback on the field. And we had no idea who he was, and that next morning he got that offer and committed to Florida. So um, the fact that now he's got features on ESPN game, College Game day and all these national media talking about him is crazy because he was just a no name three, four years ago.
1: Yeah, Silk and Dan, no, I agree with you on the, the physical part of uh, deep ball and all that stuff. I've meant like, just kind of mentally. I, I just think the whole playbook's there. Like, he knows it. There's no limitations of him sitting on the bench or anything like that. I, I think the whole offense right. is available for him, except, you know, maybe, yeah, like you said, deep throws and all that. But mentally, all that, he can handle whatever the coaching staff's throwing at him.
3: Yeah, that was a big not question, too. Everyone's asking, everyone's asking, well, how does the offense change? And I thought that Franks and Trask are not the same player, but we're so similar that it wouldn't change. Now, if it was Emory Jones from Felipe to Emory Jones right away, totally different offense. You're, you're changing everything. But like you said, Dave, I don't think the playbook has changed. Maybe there's some things that Felipe does better that maybe aren't being called as often with Kyle. But for the most part, it, there was no offensive overhaul, which was a big question, uh, at least when I was getting asked, you know, how, how much does it change having a new quarterback? And I didn't think it was going to change much.
0: No, you got two pro-style quarterbacks. I mean, it, sh- it shouldn't have changed. I don't it- – two pro-style quarterbacks should be able to do both do those, the same play calls unless there's an arm strength difference, and you can see in the difference in some of those play calls. But, yeah, anybody that – the quote that um, when, when McElwain got a job, he said he could coach his dog to be the, the quarterback. <laughs> like, he said that, but Dan Mullen can actually do that. You know what I'm saying? Um, he was just oh. talking out his butt, but Dan Mullen can actually do that. I, I expect anybody Dan Mullen to put put out there – they're gonna be competent. They're gonna be productive, and we're gonna move the ball. So, well, and, yep.
4: and and I think that to 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 kind of move from this topic, and, and I'm not sure what your next question is, Dave, but I think you even see it not only with him. I mean, you saw a huge leap in Felipe Franks. You saw a huge leap, you know, expected leap in, in Kyle Trash, but you're also seeing a big leap in what Emory Jones's ability, you know, to run this offense are too. So, you know, I trust and have faith that you know Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson actually could coach a dog. Um, to run, this off, <laughs> we have actually seen, you know, Emery Jones, not only get better with throwing the ball and making reads, but actually, you know, when he had to step in, when Kyle Trask, uh, looked like he might be out for the season, uh, he ran the offense, you know, probably not as effectively as Kyle Trask has been able to do, but put them in a position to be successful. And he led that team down to score points. So I'm very, very confident in their ability to do so. And I think as Kyle Trask gets more game time. He went in against some, a really difficult part of Florida's schedule and led the team to a four and one record, including a, a you know big comeback win and you know a, a really close game in Death Valley. Um, I really like his ability moving forward, especially as that offensive line gets a little bit uh, you know tighter
0: and stronger.
1: Yeah, I think right. the only, the, uh, go ahead, Sil, go ahead.
0: No, no, you're good. I was switching up. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think the only other player on the offense, I think we can just say by name and get a response: Kyle Pitts.
0: Absolutely. I, yeah, mean, yeah.
1: I mean I mean I think we kind of pegged this guy to be a, a mismatch nightmare for defenses. Yeah, and we did. He could yeah, he could go out wide, he could he could line up in a slot, you can you could put him you know, you can line him up in in multiple positions, but I I mean, much like Kyle Trask coming in and, and doing what he did in relief for Felipe Franks. I didn't see Kyle Pitts doing this. I mean, he—it's—it's it's every game now, starting with about the third game of the season, where he's just uh, out there, and defenses know what's coming, uh, and he's still out there making plays.
4: You know what I think it is? Obviously, you know he's going to be a big a big mismatch nightmare, and he was even towards the end of last season. But you know, I think some of it is is the fact that Kyle Trask was the second team quarterback last year, and Kyle Pitts was your second team, you know, tight end last year, and I think oh, that yeah. they built the chemistry that you have obviously seen, and now he's what, tied for the NCAA lead in receptions for a tight end. He leads the SEC in yards. You know, he's he truly is Florida's best tight end that they've had at that position probably since, you know, probably Trey Burton, but definitely since then Aaron Hernandez before that.
0: You might want to say Jordan Reed.
4: Oh, yeah, 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 him too. My bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. good. I think we all had, um, well, a lot of us had Kyle Pitts as the breakout player this year, Damian Pierce, Jacob Copeland, all three of those guys are actually balling. And we all kind of pegged those three guys as as names to watch out for. Besides those three, who surprised and who disappointed so far this year? Each one of us. Start Hmm. with you, Dave.
1: Uh, Surprise. Man, I don't know. Surprise.
4: Uh, We're doing offense
0: and defense, or just offense? I mean, just two guys, bro. <laughs>
1: okay, uh, I'll go defense first. Jonathan Gennard on defense. I, I, I thought he'd be good. I didn't think for what we look. It's still been limited from what he's done, but I mean, starting with that Miami game and and pairing him with Jabari Zuniga as well. I mean, from game one, he looked better than uh, than I. I thought. I can imagine. I thought it would be hard to replace Jakob Polite in the production that he that he brought to the team last year. But, man, I mean, just as an all-around player, an all-around defensive end, Jabari Zaniga, what he brings to the table, it, it, it's... Uh, I, I saw him... I went back and watched a lot of tape at Louisville or a lot, a lot of games at Louisville, and I was like, okay, this guy, he's doing it there. He's still not... He, he's Not what he was doing since he's been playing in a Gator uniform. He hasn't matched... It, what he's doing in a Gator uniform is by far better than what he was doing at Louisville. But then I, I could tell there was a complete package there, and, okay, would he... Be able to fit into Todd Grantham's defense right away. Yes, he recruited him, but he didn't necessarily play under Grantham uh, for 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 a long bit of time. So, how would he transition to what Todd Grantham wanted him to do in replacing Ja'Kai Polite, replacing that type of production? And as an all around player, as an ed- as an edge setter at defensive end, uh, what he's what he's doing, I, I can't. Uh, I, I'm I'm so impressed there. Uh, disappointment. Ah, man, that 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 one's tough. Hey, um, Dave. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Trey Dean. I I had I had bigger expectations for Trey Dean. Wanted to see how he'd replace Chauncey Gardner Johnson at the star, just because that I mean his size uh, his size there. I thought there was a potential there that he if he could kind of replicate what Chauncey Gardner Johnson can do from that position. He's a little bigger than Johnson. I was like, maybe there's a chance to make some more plays for, from that position, but no, he just can't replicate anything what Chauncey gardner Johnson was able to do in the all-around playmaker that he was, and you know, helping out with polite and Vashawn Joseph. There, I didn't think it'd be that big of a drop-off at, at star just because I like what I saw from Trey Dean and. Something he could maybe build on last year. I know he played outside, moving inside. I thought he'd make that transition. I thought he'd be able, with, with another off-season of training, be able to get somewhere near that. But uh, now, nah, it, it, that's not that's not happening.
4: Uh, I agree. Um, I'll I'll say for me, the biggest surprise is Kyle Trask. Right? I mean, if you say Felipe Franks mm-hmm. go down, and you know Kyle Trask's ability to step in and and, and play as well as he had is a huge surprise. Um, you know, I um, you know said that Florida would go eleven and one this year. Shameless plug for me. I also said that Florida would probably be seven and one at this point in the year again. Another shameless plug for me and my accurate predictions. But I also said that that's subject to change depending on injuries, and one of those injuries would obviously be Felipe Franks and contrast's ability to to not only run this offense but maybe even run it a little bit more effectively than Felipe Franks has is such a huge win for Florida. Um, I, I agree on Trey I think he's playing a little out of position right now, but I'm going to go with Gene DeLance. And the biggest reason is, is because he's, you know, he was a, a top flight recruit, uh, went to Texas, transferred to Florida, it's had a number of years, uh, and we're just not seeing it on that right tackle position. Uh, you know, he's, he's constantly getting beat. I've seen him on his butt a few times, um, you know, so that's disappointing. You know, Florida really needs to lock down that, that right tackle position. And I was hopeful. I was hopeful that it would be him, a guy that's been in the program for three years, is a, I think a redshirt junior, and he's just not getting the job done. So that's a pretty big disappointment for me.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree um, with Dave's pick on Grenard. I mean, I I didn't think that that he would come in and be, I mean, potentially. I mean, you're looking at a team MVP. You know, I mean, if you think about what he's meant to the team and how much they've missed him since he's been out. Just to pick somebody else, I would probably go with Sean Davis. I'm not surprised that he has emerged as a starting safety. I'm more surprised with how productive he's been, Uh, and and he's had his moments where he's you know been inconsistent too. But if you look at the uh, if you subscribe to the PFF grades, and I know the Florida coaches don't, but uh, if you look at his stats, I mean he's in some categories performing the best out of all Florida's defensive backs. Um, so for him to kind of step up the way that he has, I think that that's been, uh, a, a good sign, even though Florida still was sticking with their four man safety rotation, which I know drives Gator nation nuts, but yeah, we need uh, to have that conversation next. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but I, I would, so I would say Sean Davis and then the guy I would go as a disappointment. Um, I'd probably go with Brett Heggie. Um, I thought that him coming back from injury, being a guy that had experience would, um, you know, would be a, a good starter for the Gators on the offensive line and just and just help that group come along because of how how much youth they had. And, you know, he had that one week where he won SEC lineman of the week, but he's had other games where he's just really struggled uh, against some of those linemen that he's been matched up with. And some of it, I, I guess, maybe you just ch- chalk it up to, you know, Miami and Auburn and some of those other guys just having better defensive linemen than uh, the likes of Brett Heggy. I just thought that he would be kind of uh, a guy that you would look at as, as maybe the best offensive lineman or one of the best, and and he's just been kind of another one of those guys in that group that have struggled.
3: Uh, and we just keep moving down the offensive line? I guess I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not even going to – I
0: mean, I, it don't make sense for me to go. I think everybody's kind of hit on, 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 like, similar guys. It, it's going to be hard to find somebody different than any of those guys. I had Sean Davis – I mean, as, yeah, as like, they, especially guy. the
3: guys that surprised, like, did anyone think game eight Kyle Trask, we'd be talking about him? No. So, obviously, that works. John Grenard, I mean, he's, like like I think Zach said, making a case for, you know, MVP of the team.
0: Absolutely. So, let's talk about this uh, safety rotation. Why are we still rotating safety, fellas? Uh, I, mean, I don't think no he looks like it. No
2: comment. No, no comment. comment? I don't want no, mm. I don't want no heat. Everybody, everybody,
0: everybody's afraid of safety gate. Y'all
2: yeah. know why? Y'all know why I'm scared. It's I'm, not saying, I'm not saying nothing. I think I think, I think I think Donovan Steiner's doing great. <laughs> <laughs>
4: no, I'm not a coward. I, 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 if no, I were to I, write it, I'll up.
2: jump in. I'll jump on on this first. Uh, look, Donovan Steiner, man. You, the one thing I will give him credit on is he somehow, some way or another. Finds a way to be at the right play at the right place at the right time. I mean, and that's the one, and that's been his saving grace uh, throughout his time the last couple of years. Is you know the big plays that he's made in big games against Auburn, against against uh, uh, Mississippi State last year. He had mm-hmm. the game sealing pick against LSU after Brad Stewart's interception. So he's had his moments, um, but he has, according to the stats, been the least productive safety. Uh, and 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 why. Florida keeps pressing that issue of, uh, of rotating all four guys. Ty Grantham said this week that it's to keep guys fresh. Okay, that's fair. But at some point, production has to outweigh keeping guys fresh. And if you have players on the field that are not getting it done, uh, I, I think if you want to have better safety play, that, that, that trumps trying to keep guys fresh in the game.
4: Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I, uh, you, you hit the, all of the points that I want to, and it's not just that. I I don't think that any of them are bad. I just think, you know, florida has been able to do good things with all of the safeties on the field. I just think that there is a marked improvement. The statistics show it. And ultimately your eyeballs show it too, that Florida is better when two and 31 are out there with one and three. The defense is just better. At the end of the day, if they're not fresh, that's a strength and conditioning problem. I don't think Florida has a strength and conditioning problem. I think that's an excuse. We've also heard the excuse that they agree amongst all four of them that they should switch out. And run. English is like, yeah, we're just going to play all four of you. If that's the way that we're doing our coaching, I've got some questions about coaching that at the end of the day, I want to see two and I want to see 31 out there. 75% of the game, and then you could put 29 and 13 back there. It's not that 13 doesn't make plays. It's not that 29 can't make plays. It's just that more consistent safety play unless mistakes happen, both in statistics and
0: in your eyeballs when 2 and 31 are out there. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with this, though. Uh, the star position also is, is, like, after seeing Bernie play this last game versus South Carolina and watching him run with their best receiver down the field like he did – Hey, I, I, I want I want to see something different at the star position. I'm just go ahead and put it out there. I'm I, I, I want Marco play. Yeah. yeah,
2: you're yeah. right. You 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 hit it. I wrote I wrote about it. I, I said he needs to be playing there. I, that's what I thought after watching the game.
0: Well, he's he's, he's and, good. He's good in either, either run defense or or in the you. passing game. He's just a better athlete and he can defend the run even better than anybody else has been there. Man,
1: there you go. That's where I was going to go with it, Silk, so, especially with Georgia coming up. I mean yeah, if you can get him in that star position and you have, he's a little closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, I mean not you're know, not comparing to a linebacker, but you know then then the other deep the back positions and a guy who's played some linebacker, you got knows a guy that you know can 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 get physical uh, as he had to at linebacker with times this year. I mean yeah, uh, it makes sense especially with, especially against Georgia, it really makes sense of him playing, playing, playing that Nicholas Star position just to get a uh, another bigger body, but a bigger body that can run. Uh, and we know how much Georgia likes to run at, at, off tackle, but uh, with DeAndre Swift, so to me, that's just a, a guy who I mean he needs to be in that position anyway. But with Georgia coming up, he's it's more imperative to have him there at that star role.
3: I don't think there's another person that can do it because it, it's chauncey was there last year because he was such a smart player and it's not just being a smart player it's being able to then physically handle covering in the slot whether it's a tight end or a running back or blitzing whatever they're asking of you so when a lot of people were like why can't kair do it or why can't chester Or why can't Jaden hill i'm just saying it, there's that is just too much for them mentally to to get it grasp it and then play as fast as you need to with that position so i think the reason that Trey Dean was was there as long as he was is because they were trying to make it work. Then you saw Marco take over that spot. I think he's someone that can. But Amari Bernie's been doing it. I mean, he's been playing safety. He's been playing um star. He's been playing linebacker. He's a really, really smart guy. And and I had questions about, OK, well, if it's third and 13, you put him there. That's when you would put trade hmm. there because that's when teams are going to have four or five wide receivers. And then when you run 30 yards downfield at 235 pounds and you get your head around and um, you know, knock a pass off like that. I stop asking that, that question of, Hey, can you put him in, in this situation?
1: Hey you guys, just stick in the secondary right quick. Um, surprised at the play. Uh, you know, a lot of people out there have noticed Henderson Wilson. Look, there's a high standard for those guys. Absolutely. DBU that out there, high standard. And they haven't played terrible at all this year, but have they have they met the high standard that a lot of fans out there put on the uh, the outside cornerback positions of uh, you know uh, with Wilson and uh, of Henderson out there?
0: Well, let me go first because I think I mean if we're talking fans, of course, not. a receiver can catch a twelve yard slant, and, <laughs> and you'll see people tweet out, "Oh my God, CJ's getting cooked this year." So I think, like, fans' expectations is not real life. Um, a lot of them just don't know, like, you're going to get beat. It's just part of the game. It's, it's good guys on the other side as well. But they're not getting – nobody's coming out and, and just throwing the ball and pitching it around the field on us. You know what I'm saying? LSU was a good team, and they look good. But other than that, I think CJ and Marco both were playing very good this year. I think they had the laps early in the season with tackling, but they cleaned that up in the South Carolina game. But, no, I can't complain about the corners at all.
2: It's, rid- it's ridiculous, and I tweeted it today that anybody would suggest that C.J. Henderson is saving himself for the draft. Come on, Oh, people. God, yeah. Come on, people. Somebody said that to me on radio. I've seen it on Twitter. I know that that's a conversation that fans like to have. Everybody accused Vernon Hargraves of doing it, uh, but y'all don't. Well, know. Zach, did you watch
3: that 2015
2: season? I I, 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 I said people accused Vernon Hargraves of doing it, but I know C.J. Henderson – I know his mentality. I know his makeup. Uh, and I've seen the way he's played when he's been healthy and he's been on the field, and it doesn't look to me like a guy that's preserving himself. Uh, I mean, I, in that
0: aspect, uh, Vernon's still saving himself on the draft. T.J. Henderson
3: sprained his ankle against UT Martin, missed the rest of the game, and was in Dan Mullen's office Sunday trying to play the next week against Kentucky. Like, There's no saving himself.
2: That's not That's not what he yeah. is.
1: Yeah, I he think you play. can make the argument. He's out there playing what eighty percent, maybe, with that
3: high yeah,
2: ankle. Yeah, he's he's definitely not one hundred percent healthy.
1: There's
3: there's no quit. There's no saving himself. He was trying to play on the sprained ankle that eventually took three weeks to to heal to 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 get him back in the game. So I wrote about that today. Todd Grantham has been coaching football since before CJ Henderson was born. And and on Wednesday when we talked to him, he said he's the best player, professional. Or college that he's ever coached. And, and I mean, Todd Grantham's coached them some ballers.
4: Yeah, and not, not only that, you're going to finally see Florida hopefully, you know, with a healthy offense or healthy defense, pardon me, against Georgia. You know, at some point throughout this entire season, except for that Miami game, Florida has been missing at least one of their stars, whether it's a defensive back with CJ Henderson, whether it's with Zuniga, whether it's Grenard, or whether it's just been a couple stingers. Brad Stewart was out. Yeah, at the beginning of the season. So, you know, Florida's going to finally be at full strength against Georgia. And obviously, the better you guys have players at the defensive line, the safety and the linebackers, the better your cornerbacks are going to play and the better that they're going to look. The same way, the better your cornerbacks are playing, the better your safeties and linebackers and defensive line, et cetera, are going to look. So now that Florida's healthy, you're going to continue to see Marco Wilson continue to improve where he was off for a year. CJ Henderson is playing great. You know, at the end of the day, like Silk said, these guys are going to get beat every once in a while. But, you know, they're they're not allowing big plays. They're, you know, C.J. Henderson, has, I think, has nine pass breakups in four games this season. I mean, the guy's playing incredible. So uh, I like what we've seen out of them. As the team continues to get better and it continues to get healthy, I, I, I like to see them to do even better.
2: And, and Marco Wilson, I mean, he didn't get enough credit be, to me because everybody was talking about how much – lsu torch for the secondary and the numbers that burrow put up but i thought marco wilson did a fabulous job replacing trey dean at nickel after he got benched absolutely i, I mean he, he 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 was locked down um absolutely and
0: shot to carrier too because carrier came in was playing on the outside at one point man. i i wasn't mad at that trio whatsoever
2: no so i just um Look, I, as y'all said at the beginning, I just think that uh, because they're so good and it's DBU, there's high standards, and and there's some fans out there that think that these guys shouldn't give up a catch.
0: But I don't know if they ever watched football before, because Janoris and Joe was getting beat too, bro. Like, <laughs> there's no, there's nobody ever lined up a universal floor that never got beat. Guys get yeah. beat. It's part in of
2: that, the game. In, in, I mean, there's nobody that, that lined play. up ever on a football field that never, that got, never beat. got beat. <laughs>
0: like, this is it happens. That,
2: that play by uh, Brian Edwards on South Carolina's first series of the game. That was an incredible catch by him. I mean, CJ Henderson was right there. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, that happens, you know, in the sec.
0: But if if anybody's banking off 50, 50 balls, we'll live with that. That was a 50, 50 ball. Yeah. So, uh, we at 71, uh, this is the mid season gator panel. How you guys see this playing out for the rest of the season? Let's, Let's get our, uh, predictions for the rest of this thing? We'll start.
1: I'll start. Well, I Dan support. starts. He predicted yeah, everything. Dan's yeah,
4: yeah. the, the, the innovator. Yeah, yeah. As the, the as the innovator here. As yeah. the, uh, the guy that went out on the limb real early. Um, I think that Florida was well, I undefeated
0: every year, so I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you're <laughs> a fan. You're <laughs> <just> a <laughs> <lost>. you're 1990. <laughs> that's right.
4: Until, until they lose, right? Uh, yeah. No, I I still like Florida to go eleven and one. I I don't think Georgia's playing all that well. I think you know Florida getting their defense back healthy is going to be a you know big uh, big improvement. Kadarius Tony coming back. I think that Florida can beat Missouri. I think they can beat Vanderbilt. And I sure as hell know that they're going to beat Florida State. So I like my prediction of Florida at eleven and one. Looking forward to uh, to taking my winnings and and heading out uh, somewhere tropical to celebrate.
2: Yeah, I agree with Dan. I agree with Dan. I think Florida finishes 11-1, and and it's just a matter of uh, what happens in Atlanta. You know, talking to uh, Ed Ashoff uh, from ESPN this week, he thinks that if Florida gets into the SEC championship game that they could match up and be competitive and beat LSU or Alabama, doesn't matter which team it is. Uh, And for folks, you know, national writers like him and all the people on uh, ESPN, like the curb streets that we heard this week, that actually believe that Florida can compete with Alabama and LSU. I mean, the fact that they're even in that conversation, uh, is where you want to be. And I, I, I agree with Dan. I think that they finish 11 and one and depending on what happens in that SEC championship game, you know, that that's where those season will go from there.
1: Yeah. Before the season, uh, the last panel, I I picked Gators 10 and two. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm U-turn. I'm going to take a U-turn. I'm going eleven and one as well. Uh, I think they do beat Georgia, and I think uh, Gators end up in Atlanta. So, yeah, I, I have no problem switching that. The fan in me is happy. I'm I'm picking the Gators eleven and one right now to, to, to finish the season there. So, yeah, uh, I like that pick. I think I'll, I'll go with it as well. Yeah, I picked I picked
3: Florida to win the SEC East back in uh, Birmingham, and did they? If anyone remembers, were they finished picked to or picked to finish third behind Yeah. Kentucky? So, I, I must have been the only one picking them, I guess. There's a lot of disrespect third. out there. I thought they were picked second. Second? I can't yeah. I can't remember. I was I was there for one night and got out of there before Dave got me in trouble at the bar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but made my pick. Uh yeah, I think I think we I I said before the LSU game because I did, did some interviews, and they're asking what I thought of Florida. I was like, I, I need to see how they do against LSU, and I'll learn more about them. need to see how they do against Auburn, learn more about them. I think Dan said Georgia's kind of reeling right now, and they, it kind of looks like a house of cards over there in Athens. And I think Florida can finish the year. You beat Listen, you, you beat Georgia, and then all you have to do is take care of business against Missouri um, and Vanderbilt, and, and you're back in Atlanta. And it doesn't feel – Maybe I'm stuck in the moment, but I think you guys would agree this doesn't. This wouldn't feel like the two times that Jim McElwain um, got to Atlanta. Now, if you go to Atlanta and lose fifty to two, maybe you feel differently about that. You know, after the game, but I think Florida will finish the rest of the regular season off undefeated, and uh, it'll be LSU or Alabama, and, and that'll be a great game. A rematch versus LSU on a neutral site would be uh, a game that I'd love to see. And um yeah, I think Florida's just gonna keep continuing going off what I said earlier, just keep continuing learning what they do best with, with the guys they have and, and this is a huge week for them to get healthy because they really haven't been healthy all year.
2: Who do y'all think is gonna win the LSU Alabama game and and two, who would y'all who would y'all care to see for that matchup if Florida does make it to Atlanta? Do you would you would wanna prefer- see a rematch or do you want to see Florida Bama?
0: Uh, I I prefer Bama. Um I mean, it just means more, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I, I think I think we I think we can give Bama some problems, man. Um, so I want to see Bama for that reason. But I think LSU is gonna beat them. I think it's gonna be us and LSU in the SEC championship game. I don't think Tua's healthy. Yeah. And, and I don't think they're explosive enough, man. It's crazy to say, looking at the receiving coordinate that they have, but LSU is looking real good this year, man. I don't think yep. nobody has a read on what that offensive coordinator is doing because he's new to the league.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going uh, LSU as well. Even if Tua does play that game, I don't think he's going to be anywhere close to 100%. Uh, he'll be he'll have, to stay, he'll have to stay in that pocket uh, a bit more. I expect LSU to bring a whole bunch of pressure and you know five, six guys more, more times than not and, and make Tua have to beat them. I know that game's a few weeks out, but yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm, going, I'm rolling with LSU there too and uh, them in Atlanta.
4: Is the, game, is the game in Baton Rouge or in Death Valley? Or in, uh, um, sorry, Texas <laughs> or Death Valley?
1: I believe it's in uh, Alabama. Then yes, like LSU. it's in, by- it's in Tuscaloosa.
4: So I like LSU by seven, then. If it was in Death Valley, I liked him by, like, 13. Uh, I think LSU just looks really strong. Alabama has some some weaknesses, and I think it's not – I don't think it's a talent issue. I think, you know, at some point in time when you – continuously change coaching stats every year. It's going to catch up to you. And I think this is that year. I don't, like Silk said, I don't think two is 100% healthy. And I don't think he'll be, you know, anywhere close to 100% healthy by then. Even if they squeak out a victory, and and Florida does win the SEC East, I think that Florida would match up a little bit better against Alabama and, you know, going after some of their weaknesses than LSU. Because I think LSU is still working out some kinks on offense. And I I think that LSU team is really, really strong right now. Um, That's my pick right now to – uh, to win the national championship, I, I
2: who, would think the who you got to win, win that championship? The LSU,
0: LSU I, I, I thought you was a homer on my side, Dan. Something like you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I said I would rather play Alabama. I think if Florida plays LSU
4: again, even if it's a neutral field, even though I know Florida was really close, I think Alabama or uh, LSU is
0: just a little bit better than Florida is put put all together. Now, I think the Florida... No, I like us. Uh, I like... I, I like. And
2: Zuniga make a difference.
0: Exactly. The I think that game's changed. We got a pass rush. If Joe Burrow's not sitting on his spot, and we can rattle him a little bit more in, and and the, and the next game's going to be on a neutral field. There's no home yeah. field advantage.
2: I mean, so, in, in, LS, in LSU, they got a touchdown from just for from being in Death Valley.
0: Correct.
1: Hey, guys, I do want to bring it up, since we're talking LSU there, and you know, i kind of go back to that game. It, it does... And I think we have to count the South Carolina game in that too with Georgia coming up. It's not all sunshine and rainbow for the Gators. Does this run defense worry you now with the last two games and Georgia coming up?
0: The depth, at the safety position, um, I think that if the safety's coming down here and filling the alleys right and, and not letting big runs happen, taking the right angles, we're good. So if the right safety's on the field, I'm not worried about the run defense. We're going to give up some running yards. I mean, it's football. But the big runs are coming because at, at the, the back end, guys are missing. Guys are taking bad angles. So if the right safeties are playing, I'm cool with the run game. I think we'll be fine. And Ventrell hey. Miller's got to step it
2: up, too. Yeah, Ventrell yeah. Miller's, Ventrell Miller's giving up. all those. A, a lot of the big touchdown runs that they've had has been him in his gap, not making the play. Tate yeah. caught me down in the
3: field um, in Columbia, and he said, man, these linebackers have to get better. And I said, what do you mean? He goes – Stats aren't going to show it. He goes, but Dave Reese didn't have a good game. Sure enough, I go up and he's got like 13 tackles. I'm like, all right, well, stats definitely don't show that he didn't yeah. have a game. Um, but, yeah, it, it's the run fits. And It's not just safeties. It's not just linebackers. And then I also think without Zuniga and Grenard, you're also missing two guys who we talk mm-hmm. about pass rush all the time. But these are guys that are smart enough to keep contained that don't let plays um, bust outside. So it's not just one position group, um, but it's something that week eight you can't keep talking about. Uh, well, it was just a miscommunication, or it was just a lapse of you know uh, focus for a second. You got to start wrapping that stuff up.
0: Absolutely. That's, that's the biggest
3: not- worry That's
1: that's the biggest word for the team for me right now. Honestly, no, that's that, that's it. Honestly, they got to they get that uh, sorted up. I mean,
0: safeties are linebackers. I mean that
1: all that runs together I think the um, run def- the, the run defense uh, right now I don't I
0: don't I mean I'm not the run the run defense I was I'm still That's still not the thing that scared me the star position and the safety scared me more no cuz I don't think the run defense has cost us that much you know what I'm saying we've given up big runs I don't know I LSU, tell did Yeah I think so too No they was getting everything LSU got us yeah. in, in every area Well we honestly on, and there's only look one look game on on the whole on the season, is it like the safeties and, and, and picking on that star position has been what cost us? I don't think like our run defense have, have cost us as far as well, like I,
1: Yeah. I think my only worry is because that's the only way Georgia can beat Florida right now. If, if Yeah, if, I agree if, with that. If, if, if the teams yeah. or if the teams you know the way they're coming into this game, if they play the way they have been lately, if Florida can't stop that run game, that, that you know that puts Georgia right in the game. They're gonna be in the game anyway, but you know, if Florida plays like they had the last two weeks. Against that 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 running game, then you know it's uh Florida's going to have their, their work cut out for them to get out of Jacksonville with a win.
0: Yeah, I agree. What, what do we think about uh Kader is totally supposed to be coming back? And a lot of a lot of fans want to know about his workload and Dan Mother's play calling. Do you I do thought, you I, thought, I thought he
2: was. I thought he was supposed to be back after two weeks.
0: <laughs>
2: I yes. believe, somebody believe that. <laughs> Uh, may, maybe for maybe for those opponents did that was Dan Mullen's hope at least.
0: Nah, you separated shoulder, bro. You are gonna sit a few weeks. I don't <laughs> think I don't, so yeah, how I can? How do you think? How you think his play calling changed? Do you think he's trying to force? God, it, to me, in the beginning of the season, it felt like he was forcing a lot of uh, Tony's touches. So, how you see this playing out uh, the rest of the season with Tony back?
4: Uh, I'll jump in quickly just because I know. Um, you know, I've kind of made it known. I think at the end of the day, you've had some guys that have stepped up really nicely, whether it's been Hammond or, you know, Copeland's really starting to come in on his own over the last couple of games, uh, you know, with, with Grimes, Jefferson, Cleveland. You know, I, I think if you have to force the ball to Kadarius Toney, you're, you're you're going to put some hiccups in an offense that's running pretty effectively right now. I don't mind if Kadarius Tony obviously gets the ball, but I'm going to need to see a lot more north-south running than the east-west running that he's been you know, doing just because, you know, what I like about Hammond is that he's decisive. What I like about Copeland is that he's able to go up and get that 50-50 ball like we saw against South Carolina, and they're just both capable of doing a little bit more. They may not be as explosive on that first step, and I, like I said, I don't mind Kadarius Tony getting a play or two, but I don't want to change up our whole offense just to try to get him the ball, uh, again, like we seem to do at the beginning of the year.
2: I, I agree. I, 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 I mean, yeah. I think that uh, the one point that Mullen has made uh, several times, uh, just talking about Tony, when he touches the ball, uh, it can be really exciting at times, but sometimes he's going to run 40 yards to gain too. And that's not something that we've seen from Josh Hammond. He's done a really good job with those jet sweeps, obviously the big touchdown run that he had against Kentucky, uh, but also Freddie Swain. Don't forget him. I mean, he's I think he's taken on uh, as yeah. much, or maybe, or maybe more of the uh, of the reception part of that slot role. I think Tom, Tom, uh, Hammonds kind of taken on the jet sweeps and the running aspect, but Swain has really stepped up in, in every game since Tony's been injured. He's caught a touchdown against SEC opponents, so um, you know you're not just gonna totally take away carries and touches from them, uh, but you do want to use your weapons. I think the one thing that could uh, that you could see with Kadarius Tony coming back is some of the packages within the offense that he does and and that he yeah. runs really well that maybe Hammond can't do and Swain can't do. You might see those get unveiled, uh, you know, for for a package or for a series or two. But uh, you know, I, I'm with you guys. I don't think that he should force feed the ball to anybody because they got so many options uh, that Kyle Trash just really needs to take what the defense gives him.
4: Mm-hmm. And I think you might see him be a decoy a lot, a lot more often, too. But being on the field forces defense to you know, change or at least definitely consider him being out there.
2: But I tell you what, I think that it was, uh, as much as maybe people didn't see it back then, a blessing in disguise for Florida that he got hurt. Because if he would have been healthy all season and been the, the focal point of the offense, that he was supposed to be the number one player with that jersey – I mean, he was supposed to be able to have a season that he could have turned pro with, and now he's probably going to come back for a senior year, and that's going to be huge mm-hmm. because you're losing Van Jefferson, you're losing Freddie Swain, you're losing Josh Hammond, so, and you're losing Tyree Cleveland. So now you have a receiver core coming back with him. Uh, that, that's going to be really helpful.
3: He's going to get the same two to four touches he got before he was hurt, and that that's what the offense is. That's, that's how they get him involved. There's so many guys that, that can beat you, you don't need to. I think it's a hindrance to Florida just to focus on one guy. And I know he's a fan favorite because anytime he touches the ball, it feels like Chris, uh, Chris Rainey or, or Percy Harvin has it. And anything can happen. But I think like Zach said, you know, anything can happen. You could have a 60-yard touchdown or he could dance around and lose 15 on a play that could have gained three. And sometimes just not happy to take the three. So I don't see the offense changing at all. And I don't see them trying to force feed anything to get Kadarius Tony more involved.
4: Well, you also yeah. have a slightly different piece. Sorry, Dave, I, I want to let you, you cut in there. But uh, we also have a slightly different piece that you didn't have at the beginning of the year, and that was the addition of a lot more Kyle Pitts. So I'm really curious right. to see how they work him in um, as well because I definitely don't – there's a there's a couple players on the field that I don't want to see the ball taken out of their hands, and he's one of them.
2: We still yeah. haven't seen a shovel pass yet. No, we haven't. We still, still have haven't it. seen a shovel pass with Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney, so – I mean,
1: that's and that's a, and look, we were used to seeing Kadarius Tony with Felipe Franks, so this would be the first time we see Kadarius Tony with Kyle, with, with Kyle Trask. So I don't know how that plays into it, if that plays into it at all. Uh, you know, I, I do think the offense would get in ruts at time with Felipe Franks, and there was a lot more screens, a lot more short passes. I think we've kind of we, we went away for a, a little bit that with that with, with Kyle Trask. So I, I do wonder, you know, how, how that affects. I, I do think Kadarius Tony was getting better in his route running. Toward the end of last year, spring, uh, we didn't get to see it much this year, of course, because he got hurt early in the season. So I do wonder, as a pure receiver and Kyle Trask at quarterback, do we see do we see Tony be that more pure receiver instead of just that gadget, playmaker, screen, screen type of receiver?
0: I think that's his senior year move. I, I don't see him, like, in that fashion, like, making an impact the rest of the season, like, running routes. So we, we got guys that can do it. Yeah. I think you probably could get him on some... Some tunnel screens or something like that, man. Mm-hmm. But I I don't foresee him being those type of guys because I think Freddie Swain, Hammond, you just got guys in Jefferson. Those guys run good routes, and so you could count on them already. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
3: And that's the, my that's and my, my go to answer it, whenever someone asks about Kadarius Tony. Okay, well, whose reps are you taking away? Are you yeah. you're taking somebody off the field to put them on? So that means less Swain, less Hammond. Uh, less Van, less Trey, less Copeland. Like, who are you taking off to give him more reps?
0: We got we got good problems.
3: They just want
4: Florida us. to run, like, 95 plays a game.
3: Just do That's that. It. Just a clean 95, like you're playing NCAA 14, <laughs> you know, MCS Southwest.
0: Now, with a season like we – Go ahead, go
2: ahead. Because I think that when you look at next year's starting lineup, potentially at wide receiver – it's going to be Trayvon Grimes and Jacob Copeland outside because Jacob's mm-hmm. backing up Jefferson right now. He'll step into the starting role, and Tony's going to be your slot guy. Um, but now there aren't those options there. I mean, but, but behind those three, I mean, those are going to be your three. And so he's going to have to do a lot more from a pass-catching standpoint next season. And I think some of the touches that folks maybe wanted to see this year, he's going to have more opportunities to get them in, in 2019 – or 20, excuse me. Yeah, I agree. Yep, yep.
0: All right, uh, now we we know Dan Mullen is not what what what, what people would call a elite recruiter, but wait to see we a back to back look like 10, 10 plus win seasons. How do you think this affect what we finish this recruiting cycle?
1: Say, I mean there there's some there's some big targets out there uh, that we, we still know that, that the Gators are after Avante Williams, Tim Smith. Uh, there you know you probably top of the board those two guys there. You're trying to flip Smith from Bama, and even we even before Florida started getting a, a lot of national love these last few weeks, you kind of felt good about those guys coming into the class anyway, but yeah, may, may, you know, maybe there's a couple guys out there that aren't quite on the radar that always seem to show up around signing day and, and in February signing day as well. Uh, so, you know, I, I've always kind of pegged this class probably around that seven, eight range and it's probably be about where it ends up anyway.
2: The pro- the problem is that uh, just looking at the board and looking at the targets and looking at, the guys who are available and have or seem to have legitimate interest and in it's mutual, I mean, I, this could be another cycle where Florida doesn't get a five-star. And I know mm-hmm. that that's going to just drive fans crazy, but I think that they're going to finish with another top-ten class. It's probably going to be better uh, top-to-bottom than last year's group, especially if all those guys actually make it to campus <laughs> and stay on campus.
4: Yeah, which is big, yeah.
2: So, you know, but at the end of the day, as, as Silk said, he Mullen's not uh, an elite recruiter. But he and his staff have proved that they are elite developers and, and evaluators. That, yeah, and even though you know they they're they don't have any five star talent on the roster besides Brenton Cox Jr., they have a handful, maybe even a dozen, you know, top one hundred, top one fifty guys that are right, you know, right in that in that kind of category. And they're going to get the most out of them. And then they're going to get the guys that were the the three stars in the low tier and, and get a lot out of them as well. At, at some point, um. They do got to win some of those battles, those five stars. I, I do think it's going to take them probably winning an SEC championship or, or beating a marquee team, maybe making the college football playoff and winning a semifinal game um, to really, I think, sway you know the DeMarcus Bowmans and, and some of the other in-state guys uh, that, that they got to land.
1: You got to take advantage of FSU and Miami being down. Yeah, Still got to do that.
2: Yeah, I think
0: the um, – like Brian Robinson you get those guys the guys that that Bama are still trying to get they' don't have, all have to be five stars which I do think Gervon Dexter ends up a five star but when it's all said and done because I mean the top 38 40 kids are gonna get five stars so eventually
2: there's there's silk so, so that's my point right there he's a perfect example like he might he, whether whether he ends up a five star or not
0: First-round talent. Is he, is he, is he yeah. a
2: five-star type player? Yes. Absolutely. You know, just yeah, like Jacob, right. I mean, just like Jacob Copeland was a five-star type player. I mean, he was a top 50 overall recruit. He wasn't a five-star, but you see on Saturday the type of ability he has. And if they can get guys like that and enough of them, that's going to yeah. start to make a difference.
0: But I, I like our, our our chances with that Washington kid that's a, that, that's a tight end. Uh, he's really feeling the way Kyle Pitts is eating this offense. They have a similar playing style. So that's probably somebody we can get. I, I, I feel pretty good where we stand right now. We're going He's against the big star. dogs. Yeah. 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 So I think there's some guys out there. You get him, you get uh, Doomerville, the, the offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. You beat LSU and the big dogs out for him. There's some studs out there, man, that, that could they could be a program changing guys.
2: But see, Doomerville is like, to me, can y'all imagine right now if Florida had um, Nicholas Petit Ferrer and Evan Neal on their offensive line? Yeah, But like, those are the guys that you can't let yeah. leave the state. I mean, those would be your starting offensive tackles right now. Call it like it is. So you got to go out and get those type players. There, there's a handful of them in every class in the state of Florida. And like y'all said, when Florida State and Miami, Miami are down, you got to take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, we, we already got Isaiah Walker. So you get him and you get Doomerville. You, you you got your, your best two tackles out of the state to anchor this thing down for the future. Nick, I know you love recruiting. What's up, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm just shaking my head
3: because Zach brought up Bowman's name, so that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be all over the, all over my message you, board. You're trying to get
2: Twitter clicked, Nick. you know that? It's just Zach just looking out no, for clicks. no, no. For the, and, and, and for the record, I'm not suggesting a flip there. I'm saying that you know when you reach, we heard it, you, We
3: heard you, Zach. You said Demarcus Bowman is flipping. We heard you say that's right. it. Secret, secret
1: he's visit. Calling his
3: commit video tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's secret. What, that's what Zach said. That's it.
2: Already, Secret, Dan, already. Secret visits already. Clemson doesn't
1: know about. Secret visits Clemson doesn't know about. All that stuff. Zach, Zach's got it. Y'all are
2: wild. Yeah, Zach is right. Like, <laughs> like
1: <he's> <laughs> hey, guys. Quickly, I think we're about to wrap this up. Scott Strickland out there uh, proposing Power 5 matchups. Who, who who you want the Gators
0: to play?
2: Hawaii. Yes, I, I second
0: <laughs> that.
2: I, actually, I want a two-for-one.
0: If we're going. We're going two, two, uh, home, two
2: trips home, to Hawaii. One to get. One
0: again. If it's home at home, I want to go to uh, Clemson Stadium so bad. So I'm, I'm, I want all that smoke, all the Clemson smoke.
1: Give me. Uh, give me OU.
3: I think that's great. Clemson, Oklahoma, Notre. Dame. You start thinking like USC. Go out to the Coliseum. There's just so many great venues. Urban Meyer versus Urban,
2: Meyer versus Urban Dan Mora. Yeah, right.
3: <laughs> there, there you goes. go. Saw Jeremy Foley in the press box at, uh, at USC. I said, hey, man, you got the wrong USC. You're supposed to be out in Los Angeles today. Uh. Um, but, yeah, there's so many there's so many great places. I think it's great what, what Foley's doing. And, listen, if you're a fan and,
2: That's
3: hey, so I don't so want so to so do that. Foley would never play. do that. Yeah. We're, I don't want to play a tougher schedule. It's already tough enough. It's going to be harder to get to a national championship. When it comes down to it, this is what teams are doing. And you're going to have to do it. It's um, the future, so, man. I want to see.
0: I want to see. Ohio I think State eventually
2: Ohio State or Penn State. I'd be
0: down that'd be great. That. Yep. My opinion on this: when they start, when they, all these teams start doing these big matchups every year, and you, they, they're going cross country, play out of the conference. Eventually, the playoffs is going to get bigger. So uh, you might as well set yourself up for like those big games because that's what's going to happen. Like eventually, they're going to expand the playoffs more than four teams.
1: Oh man, that's that's another show in and of itself.
0: really? yeah. I want- I want to see Florida.
4: You know, Florida has a has a lot of matchups with the Big Ten. Uh, a, a couple with the Big—I don't think they have any with the Big Twelve. A couple with the ACC. I'd like to see Florida play in the Pac-12, maybe against like a a Washington or an Oregon, something just completely out there, completely different, or uh, yeah, USC. You guys mentioned that as well, but I don't know if Florida's ever played Oregon. I don't imagine a situation that Florida would ever play Oregon or Washington, except a you know national championship. So I'd like to to go out there to Austin Stadium or to. Uh, Washington Stadium, and you know Washington's cool, man, because they've they've got a, a, a river. Just go all over the stadium.
0: map, Dan. Yes, yeah, just, just go around the all. map, real yeah, quick, yeah, yeah. bro.
4: Yeah. George you, Reister. I just, no, I, I am not afraid. I, I like Florida by twenty-five over Oregon today, uh, but like. Washington would be really cool. You have a lot of gators that live up there in Washington, but they have a, a really cool tailgate setup. Similar to like um, Tennessee with the river right there, and they do all the water and boat tailgating as well. So, so sign me up for any place where you can tailgate on a boat and
2: walk into a stadium. I
1: think I think George lost his invite to the uh, river, to river the boat. Tablet.
2: Dan, hey, does uh does Willie Taggart survive the season? Absolutely not. I hope he do. I hope he. I
0: can hope they, can like, bunch, where's the them? money coming from?
1: Newberg. Newberg got that money. Yeah. He paying the buyout.
0: I don't this know where is the money comes He's a I don't, got a big, I don't think they can afford up to up, keep bro. him, man. <laughs> if Big Three Rollup could could, could pay Willie out, I'd be. I wouldn't even be on here tonight. I promise you that, bro. This is,
1: a, <laughs> this is
0: a thing. I, I grabbed. Um, I grabbed coffee with TJ the other day. We were
4: talking about this. It's not just buying Willie out. Obviously, that's a ton of money. It's the fact that you're going to have to pay whoever you hire a boatload of money to come there, and then you're going to have to get their assistance and everything else. So it's not just a seventeen million dollar buyout. Plus they can't. The, the city you can't afford to, it. They can't. Yeah, you like, have to throw another forty million dollars, and
0: they, that's what they got to do. Yeah, he's he's just tarnishing their brand too much. I don't see a way they keep him. I don't see a way you can sell this. Like the city of Tallahassee is hurting right now. Hotels. Restaurants, it's like business is dying, so I don't see a way that they That's keep. A them. Damn shame. The brand's dying. dying you know <laughs> no. what I'm saying? I I just don't see no. like how they could do it. I think they're gonna miss two bowls in a row. There's not one reason to keep them with some money. I think somebody's gonna pony that bread up. They got to.
1: Man, this was fun.
0: Yeah, man. And then you got uh, Manny Diaz. I don't think he's any better. I think he's about the same lane. It's Willie Taggart. We're blessed right now.
4: Imagine paying Temple $5 million. <laughs> the back and he's three and four, and it's not
3: looking any better. <laughs>
0: That's All right, wild. fellas. Y'all got any shout-outs? No.
3: Shout-out Dan's travel agent. She's probably buying a new house.
0: Right. Y'all in, go, in Wyoming. It,
2: yeah. Y'all go <laughs> listen to uh, Eternal Bliss by Zachariah. Streaming yeah, we, on all platforms. There we you go.
1: And I know Will Salmon was supposed to be on. He has some travel, uh, travel, travel problems. Got the, the flight delayed, so uh, I'll get him. That's, that's why we right
0: travel people for the future. <laughs> if y'all in Jacksonville next week, uh, pull up, hang out with us at the tailgate. Hit us up, uh, check it out on Eventbrite. Just search Big Three Roll Up. You'll find our tailgate, and we're gonna be hanging out at the cocktail party.
3: You going yeah, there Friday
0: I- night to watch the baseball scrimmage? So. I won't be there Friday night, but I'm going to be watching my grandma. I mean, I'm going to go check out my family.
1: Over there. Yeah. I do have a party. I do have a party Friday night, too, in, uh, in the Mandarin area in Jacksonville. So, uh, good cover band, Julia Gouya, uh playing at a local bar here in Jacksonville. So, everybody out there listening, if you're in town, hit me up, Twitter, and uh, let me know. I'll
3: be. At and the then, big shout-out to Jacksonville.
1: me. Big yeah.
4: shout-out to me. This will be the first game of the season that I'm attending. So, that's any reason for you to attend the uh, – the okay. U.F. Uh, Florida, uh, Florida Georgia game. Um, just to come see me, come hang out. Got my tickets. Been pimping out the timeline for a couple days now. Trying to find the best tickets.
3: Got, What's your uh, record, got post- Dan? Don't you have? Don't you know your record?
4: Oh, uh, hey! If you give me a second, I'll find it out. I told Scott Strickland I should be invited to every big game that Florida has. Um, I also have the uh, like really fortunate, um, you know. Um, past of of being at UF when uh when they were really good and, and this is me just stalling which makes for terrible radio so
0: I'll find Yeah it. bro like what do you got going on here? <laughs> you, you just want to play the whole country. We just asked you for one team you like to play. You went around the whole map. <laughs> <laughs> now it is. kill me. kill me again. All right, bro. Just tell the next show. Off. Tell us the record next show. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell next it, it, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the the, the hey, app isn't very good.
1: as long as as long as on November second, it's one and zero. I think we're good. Yeah,
0: we're good. As long as, yeah, if you pull up next week and we lose, we know it's you, bro. <laughs> already, Might <be> the, already.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, everybody out there. Thanks for listening uh, to this edition of the Gator Panel.